The Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast is sponsored by Church Comm Team. Whether you're starting from scratch or you're trying to grow, Church Comm Team can help you with your communications at your church. Go to churchcomteam.com and request a free consultation today. We feel like that the biblical model of church is everybody comes together and creates an experience that is unique and better because of everybody's participation there. Church Online is not a a Hebrews 10 issue, it's a Mark 16 issue, where Jesus says, go into all the world and and preach the good news. A big part of how we define success moving forward is to recognize that the people online have value and they are truly members of our congregation. Culture everywhere within society has adapted, yet we, the church, are still stuck in this 2020, and is it even really working? So, hey, why are we going back to that again? I think organizations and churches that have the ability to dream and haven't been able to actually execute, like, this is where you have the chance to fail forward. So, welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Is there such a thing as digital discipleship? Some say no, but that doesn't change the fact that Liberty University offers a Bachelor of Science and Religion degree with a digital discipleship focus. There are some who say the entire New Testament is just like if today a pastor had written emails to his congregants that were then read out loud to provide teaching and direction for their spiritual lives. Paul was not in Colossae when the Colossian church read his letter by which they were to shape their faith. In fact, Paul had never been to Colossae. Much like today, a person may tune into your church through a digital means from all over the world and never darken your door. Today, I think Paul would marvel at email, text messages, social media, live streaming, and Zoom. Though there are many that push back, call the digital space an invalid place for real discipleship. We'll unravel that a little bit. However, the culture has already moved on and basically accepts this as a valid space for training new hires in companies or remote creative workers like designers and copywriters. And even the health industry has embraced telehealth and training online. Did you know that YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world and that the most common search phrase starts with how to? Because you can go there and learn just about how to do anything. I myself have learned how to do several plumbing tasks like replace a vanity and toilet thanks to YouTube. And I have a friend who builds and repairs cars and his education, YouTube University. There are two ideologies I think that the church really needs to address or maybe even let go of to make digital disciples. First, that face-to-face attendance of a worship service or programming is the only attendance that counts for growth and connection. And two, that a church must be able to track or know about a disciple said growth to count it as work towards discipleship for the church. Which this begs a larger question then, how can we disciple people online when we're not there? An answer could be content ministry, a phrase that doesn't really exist yet in the vernacular of the church today, but it's an actuality. Creating content for social media, YouTube, your website, or email, texting list can be a form of discipleship to a digital audience. And many of those tools work when you're not even present. This makes effectiveness difficult to measure, however. But I contend that most churches, at least every single one I've ever worked with or in the last 20 years or so, does not have a discipleship plan that includes clear markers of measurability anyway. It's usually assumed. So some improvement all around is 
in order. But to talk through the idea of content creation as discipleship and ministry, we called our friend and resident Instagram expert, Jennifer Benton. And let me tell you a little bit about Jennifer before we jump into our conversation with her today. So Jennifer is the owner of Genetic Marketing. She's also the host of Blacklight Digital Podcast, a show that highlights people of color and tech and media and digital marketing. She's also the director of communications for Mount Hermon Baptist Church and Philly. PA, and her passion is to educate and equip ministries to witness to the masses through social media. She's spoken at conferences such as Church Marketing Conference, Social Media Church Conference, and First Impressions Conference, sharing her ideas, out-of-the-box outreach strategies, and social media expertise. Please welcome our guest, Jennifer Bitten. Jennifer, we're so glad you're here. Thank you guys for having me. Yay! This is a dream. This is a dream. Like Seth (laughs) is one of my favorite people. And um, I'm just so excited to be with you guys today. Well, for the record, Seth is one of my favorite people, too. We're all we're on the Seth fan club. We are. We need some Seth T-shirts like we love Seth T-shirts. now. (laughs) (laughs) I would wear that T-shirt. I would. Uh, Listen, kidding. No, we're not. (laughs) Whoever did Ryan Wakefield shirts need to do a shirt for you. Those were awesome shirts at the conference yeah. we went to. They somebody made Ryan's face into a cartoon, put it on the shirt, and he didn't know about it until we got awesome. there. It was really great, man. <laughs> well, so glad to finally connect with you. There was the CMU conference. We got to connect anyway and say yeah. hello and finally meet. So, yeah. and it was so cool to you know see different people that I've been following online, such as yourself and just like, Oh my God, like they're really here. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was cool to see us all together and we're all kind of fans of one another and uh, we're doing, you know, great kingdom work. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what we do in 2022. Same. And that conference is where we talk about that conference in another episode of this podcast. So go look for the one with Ryan Wakefield, where he talks about that conference of doing an actual hybrid church service. And we kind of talked through what worked, what didn't work. It's really good. So you're an Instagram person. I love Instagram as well. Megan, fan of the Instagram. She's a fan of the gram. I am a fan of the gram. Love that phrase. <laughs> love, me, gram. love me some gram. <laughs> <laughs> Gramming it up. <laughs> so let's jump in. Today, I really want to talk through, you make content for your clients, for your church, for yourself. And all of it ministry-minded, all of it ministry-based, you know, you're, you're looking for, like, how do you connect and reach people in that digital space? But, uh, you know, as we mentioned in the intro, things have changed since writing letters being read out loud to the church in Paul's day, right? So, uh, they changed for churchgoers, too, you know, the how they interact with things like that. If somebody stood up and just read a letter from somebody in church, and that was the message, people would probably be like, snooze fest, right? Right. So... The churches, the crowds, you're kind of used to these attentive participants in the last, you know, couple of decades. But in this last decade, it's really been on, seems on the decline. It's been harder and harder to hold attention in the digital space. What's it like holding people's attention there? How does that work? You know, one of the things that I've noticed with digital is that you really have to operate uh, in what I call the E2 I method. So it's like E squared, I method, entertainment, education, inspiration. Those are the three lanes on social media that you want to operate in, especially if you're a church, because, you know, the preaching videos only go so far. You know, everybody's like, okay, I I went to church. 
now I'm hopping on social media and I might like this ministry, but all they post are preaching videos. And I already heard my pastor preach, (laughs) you know, what, what else do you have to offer? So if you get into a little bit of entertainment, which I think churches are afraid of coming out of the black church, a lot of us post praise breaks, you know, people dancing around the sanctuary and it's like, okay, yeah, that's entertaining to a degree, but why don't we get into like role-playing skits and things like that, you know, broaden it out a little bit, you know, and then the educational part, we do that a little bit, but not as much as we should telling people how to live the day to day. Okay. I preach this message on Sunday, but how do you walk it out? We don't do the educational part. And then the inspiration comes with, you know, the daily quotes, the, the scriptures and things like that. So Going into those three lanes and owning them is what I really want churches to do in 2022. I don't think we do enough of that. In your mind, let's and thinking through because we're talking about you know the digital world and and everything that is and in, goes into that space with churches. What do you think is the goal, the biblical purpose and goal of discipleship in general? And then, like to you, before we talk about like how that applies to the digital realm, like. What is the goal of discipleship? And then what are the markers of discipleship? That's a great question. So to me, the overall general role of discipleship is really to show people how to build their relationship with God, you know, to help them with their walk, help them to grow and and become more knowledgeable in the word, but also teaching them how to be mature Christians. You know, our generation, unfortunately, we have a lot of babies, and everybody is motivating the baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like we're tickling on. a lot of ears, tickling ears and, and giving motivational speeches. But with having grown up in church and coming from a family of women preachers, I think I kind of matured early because Bible study was every day in our house. You know, whether I was at my grandma's house or at home with my mom, I was learning scripture and learning how to walk it out. And so we don't see that enough in our churches. And and that's what we're missing in our discipleship journey. Also, when it comes to discipleship, I feel like it's really about building community beyond the four walls. You know, we come together on Sundays and Wednesdays and it's great But when you have those discipleship moments, you're able to see uh, people grow beyond those times and and, and witness their growth in their marriage, their growth as parents, their growth as individuals and and people in uh, their community. So that's what discipleship means to me. So do you think that you can take those markers and those measurables and that concept of discipleship and apply it to a digital space? I believe so. So to me, the markers, you were like, oh, well, (laughs) you know, so, so to me, the markers of discipleship, as far as being a disciple is really the fruits of the spirit. You know, are you showing love? You know, do I experience joy and peace when I'm around you? You know, are you long suffering? Are you patient? So trying to measure those on social media, it's a possible, but it really goes with what are they posting? What are they engaging with? You know, if you're engaging with world star videos or, (laughs) you know, the fight videos and stuff like that, that doesn't show a lot of love and patience and joy. (laughs) So that's how we kind of, well, I would measure uh, those markers on social media. 
Yeah, because it, when it matters what you're looking at, it matters what you're in, investing in, your time in when you're on social, and for churches to like spit stuff out that's just like that would be useless, right? It, it's just kind of this churning of stuff. Like I always get really, I used to love it. I used to love when people would ask questions on social for their church, like what's your favorite pizza topping, stuff like that, that gets people talking because everyone's got an opinion. And nowadays there's so many things that it's easy to get people's opinions on stuff, but it's not really helpful. It doesn't really push them in a direction that is godly or towards the vision of your church or to be more kind or any of those types of things. So asking those questions, I think it's it's important for churches to ask discipleship questions. Now, on the other side of that, you can't just go, hey, tell us how God is changing your life right now, because they're going to go, well, I'm not going to share that in the comment section of this random post with people I don't know. With right. a church I barely interact with. Right. That part. Because I don't know who's going to see that and what are they going to do with it? Am I going to have to talk in church about this if I say something? <laughs> you know. Yeah. So there's yeah. fear there uh, associated with that. But I think there's a middle ground there of the type of content you're making that just has to have a purpose. Well, I love what you, the, the three areas that you broke down, they all are three individual things, but they all also benefit each other because that entertainment piece, like, sure, someone might not get closer to Jesus because we are asking what kind of topping do you like on your pizza? But what it's doing is building a relationship and developing trust. And then you gain influence. And so we can't think of the entertainment thing as like, oh, well, this isn't biblical. <laughs> this isn't helping somebody develop, grow spiritually. Maybe not, probably not actually, but it's helping you develop a relationship with someone that you can influence. Yeah. What, what kind of like entertaining type content are you seeing churches do or anybody do that would be translatable to churches that you're thinking, man, they could do something like that. Like that's how they need to talk about this. This is mean- fun. You mean better than what kind of topping do you like on your pizza? Yeah. Yeah. Better than that really lame example. <laughs> you know who's my fave on, on Instagram, Ron Starling and um, Julia Tucker. They're both from Mike Todd's church transformation. In fact, Julia is one of the associate pastors and Ron is the creative director for Pastor Mike. And they both create content where they're dancing. I mean, they'll be in random places, just kind of grooving. And Julia, she really highlights her marriage, having a healthy marriage and having fun in a Christian marriage. And I love that her and her husband do these types of skits, you know, like the other day (laughs) he's looking in the refrigerator and she just comes right in front of him. Like I'm pulling up on you, put some respect (laughs) on my name. (laughs) you know. And it's like, we don't show that side of ourselves. We don't show that side of our Christian journey, you know, Everybody wants to post a picture of their hands raised and they're in prayer, but you know, you're not in prayer 24 hours a day. You know, you know that you argue with your spouse about what you want to eat. (laughs) You know, those are the things that we deal with. And so why not show those things in an entertaining way and say, you know what? I'm, I love God. I have Jesus in my heart, but I'm going to dance to this Cardi B real quick, and, you know, have fun and, and be in the moment. So I think with those entertaining aspects, we don't see enough. And I think for ministries, what they have a, a hard time with is who does the creation? Should it just be the ministry team that does the creation or should we bring the congregation in? And I'm very much on the side of the latter. 
is something that they call in marketing user generated content. So, you know, let's say Nike, somebody posted a picture of their new Jordans that they just got. That's user generated content. That's a user that bought the product and they're showcasing it on their social media, which inspires other people to go look for it online or to go to the nearest Foot Locker. Is Foot Locker even still a thing? Um, I don't know. I, I was thinking <laughs> one that too, so you said it. Yeah, I think it's a thing in malls, only in the malls that are still alive. Right. So, you know, but it inspires people to go and buy the shoe or at least go search for it and try it on. So why not do that for church? Yeah. And that's something interesting about Nike too. You'll never see, they will never sell you a product. They just show them being used. And that's the essential user generated content. They just make what looks like user generated content for their actual content. They don't tell you, Hey, go buy this. They just show it to you and go, they're cool. Well, I think that's like the beauty of social media is the fact that you can share what other people have created. I love that. Like, man, I wish we took advantage of that more often because it's brilliant. It's a, it's brilliant. And people, you know, we are a narcissistic culture. We love to see ourselves. And so if you share, if I, I tag certain restaurants more often because they always share what I, when I tag them and I'm like, that's really dope, man. I'm going to take a picture of my food and I'm going to tag you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think people are afraid to use their phones in church. Because a lot of us grew up in church culture where back in the day, you know, if you're born in the 80s, sitting in church, you didn't talk. You didn't want to look at your neighbor for nothing. You know, it was like, I don't want to disrupt the service. And times have changed now to where it's like, it's okay to use your phone in church. You know, I was sitting in a meeting with a, a group of pastors a couple months ago, and one of them was talking about how during their church services, they've designed their screens to be beautifully captured by a phone. And so from stage, they actually encourage people, hey, if you want to take a picture of if you think this post is really cool, you like this scripture, take a picture of it. Like, don't I won't I won't wince when I see your phone, your camera out taking a picture of this slide because it's here for you. And they actually encourage that. And now every service, they leave service with at least, you know, 20 some people sharing pictures of their church services on Instagram. And they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus's words and sharing how it impacts them. And wow, the Lord's really talking to me about this a lot. And you know, that discipleship pathway is just going from that one message in that one room and spreading out to all of these people's pockets. I love that. I thought that was a great idea that they're acknowledging. I'm not afraid to see you have your phone here. Yeah. I mean, I, I got my start in social media by being somebody in the pews that was creating content from the pews. I was down at new birth and I was just so happy to be there and, you know, experience, um, you know, the ministry of Bishop Eddie Long and seeing him on the platform and things like that. So I would pull out my phone and take a quick video of him preaching and snap pictures of me and my kids in the pews and stuff. And I would tag new birth. And so eventually they're like, wait a minute, she's here and she's using Instagram. We don't really know how to use Instagram because it was like 2014. So Instagram was still new around that time. And literally I was serving in membership development. These ladies came and found me. They're like, Hey, <laughs> you know how to use Instagram. We need you to come serve in media. And from there, my whole social media career began. That's awesome. And in fact, uh, something we've kind of talked with some of our clients, church com team about recently is there's, there's this, when you open up your feed in Instagram, there are tabs where you can, you can see who's 
sharing and who's tagging you in in feed posts. And then when it's in, you know, stories, it gives you a DM, it lets you know somebody's tagged you. But if they're sharing, if they're taking photos at your church, you can go and just look at who's doing that. And if you don't have somebody that's working social media for you or you need a volunteer team, that's where I'd start is just go to that and see who's doing it and reach out through Instagram, DM them, say, hey, I noticed you're creating some stuff. Uh, We've shared some of your stuff. It's great. Would you be interested in helping us out with some stuff? And maybe just assign them to an event or two. And you've got a content creator right there. You're you're training up to help you with that because it's that what you said was really uh important is that it was going on through the week you know that from that one sermon we had megan that said that it was going on from the one sermon all this stuff is happening during the week it's like the ripple effect is so much longer and longer because of you know sunday is a content creating machine and if there's somebody there to create it it can really impact more and more people throughout the week if you just find ways to slice it up and share it yeah one of the things that I I actually experimented with, and this was like kind of cool to do, I said, I want to see how much engagement we can get if we take something from the sermon and tweet it right after service. And so this was a particular Sunday um, at New Birth, and I think it was like around 2015, and preached a sermon about God is downloading his instructions for my now or something like that for the future. And so I went on, I was on Canva on my phone <laughs> in the middle of service, just, you know, looking for photos of like downloads. And I found a photo and then I put his quote on top of that in our little uh, logo. And literally after the benediction, boom, I hit Facebook, hit Instagram and Twitter with that post. And I could see people looking down at their phones and the likes were just coming in. And my team was like, whoa, like that was dope how you just did that. (laughs) The sermon was just preached. So it was something that kept that sermon alive. And then, of course, throughout the week, we're sending out those messages, bits and pieces, because like you said, Sundays are a content creation team. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like our machine. If you sit there and you really listen to your pastor, you're like, okay, I got two scriptures I can put out. You know, I've got several quotes I could put out. I've got video. Um, If I take clips, I can put that in the stories. I can create a reel from that. All those different things. And then you've got stuff to go at least from Sunday to Wednesday. And then Wednesday, you could develop more content to go through the rest of the week. Yeah. And and those are different levels of discipleship of content. I mean, we've talked about like the pizza post, you know, and there's the pastor post and there's the, the funny kind of reels back and forth skits that you might do. You find a TikTok trend or something. What kind of limitations are on, I mean, I mean, obviously you've got different levels of discipleship. You're going to have some, some pieces of content are going to have a little bit more spiritual impact than others, but talk to me a little bit about how churches should view that range where we're maybe missing things. You talked about entertainment being a piece that would be more of the lighter stuff probably, but um, what are the limitations that we're, we're seeing with content in making that kind of discipleship impact? You know what? I, I really believe our limitations are within our own minds in our religious mindsets uh, when it comes to how we display our faith and how we share it throughout the week and how we share it on digital. Cause a lot of times People want to be private and they feel like, oh, I shouldn't pray in public, you know, because there is a scripture that talks about, you know, go to the closet and pray and things like that. But 
how about praying a prayer that other people can benefit from? What did you say, Seth? You said Nike doesn't sell their shoes. They just show what it's like to own them. Mm-hmm. For example, something like what, that. Yeah. What if we didn't sell Jesus? We just showed what it's like to follow him. And that's okay. What does that look like? You know, I think that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. One of my favorite Instagram accounts is Andrew F. Carter. I love his Instagram account because he goes and does, you know, prayers. He will do, um, you know, on his reels, he'll give you like five tips to a godly relationship. And he just walks out his walk with everybody. And so you can go on his page at any time. You're like, oh, wow, I need to, I needed to pray for healing. You know, I'm sick. And he has a prayer for healing on there. And so I feel like if more churches tapped into that and tapped into what we call in marketing, the pain points of the users, then we'll be more effective, you know, versus posting our events, you know, asking people to come support this, come support that, give them something to grab onto and they won't mind supporting. But I don't want to dive, I don't want to get too far into that, but um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's all you say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now I will add on the entertainment part of it, and, and this is where my passion is at, as a content creator and a media driven person, when I showed about Mount Hermon, now mind you, Mount Hermon is 91 years old. And they were a church that did not have much on social media when I came. They weren't live streaming, none of that. I literally took them from ground zero. And we started Sunday mornings with the phone, doing that. And my bishop came to me and he's like, you know what? I would really like to have like a before and after show. Well, the challenge is our space. So that's another limitation that churches face too. They may not have the space or the equipment to do what they want to do. So I said, well, we have the equipment. We just don't have the space to have a booth set up to where we can shoot a camera over to the vestibule for an after show. So this is what I'll do for you. Let's adapt it to a Tuesday night. Since we're all quarantined, we're home. This is 2020. Nobody has anywhere to go. We got a captive audience. (laughs) Might as well make something of it. So I created this show, this talk show called Talk It Out Tuesday. And um, I took three individuals from our congregation, um, multi-generational, a baby boomer, Generation X, and a millennial, put them together, and they discussed Sunday sermon as they heard it from the pews. And the whole premise was, you as the pastor, you know what you're preaching, but the pews oftentimes hear it differently. So this was our opportunity to not only talk it out together and and get engaged with the sermon from our level on the pews, but also for our bishop to hear our feedback so that he can gauge whether we actually heard it the way that he wanted us to hear it or not. And so we did about 85 episodes of that, aired it on Facebook Live every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Our congregation loved it. We did specials, Thanksgiving special with Bishop's mom. She did the whole food network. Oh, nice. (laughs) You know, how to cook this. And uh, we did a Christmas special and everybody talking about what Christmas meant to them. And um, we just made it our own. And so we made our own entertainment. And I bet people felt a lot more connected to your bishop. They did. Through that. You know, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Especially getting mom in there to, to Especially cook. getting mom in there. Oh, yes. yeah. 
And, that, yes. and that's what we're really talking about when we talk about entertainment. Most of the time, I think people hear entertainment content and think that it's silly and funny and you're trying to make people laugh. And they're like, well, I'm not funny. Like, I know that every time I've talked to somebody about creating entertainment content, their mind almost immediately goes there. And, and that's such a just the tip of the iceberg of what entertainment type content really could be. You know, your cooking show is a great idea. Right. And and we're working on even more. Yeah, we're working on even more, you know, bridging into more lifestyle entertainment type stuff. So, you know, it's, it's something that is a broad spectrum. Like you said, people think they have to be funny. No, but it's nice to have a funny person involved with it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> to keep it light, you know. And, and, and the thing is, like, when it's your people watching your pastor, I've learned this in youth ministry. Like, I used to make these stupid videos in youth ministry, and my kids thought it was just the funniest stuff they've ever seen. And then I put it on YouTube and realized I'm not as funny as I thought I was. At least those weren't funny. You know, like, that's not. Guess you had to be there. You had to be there. <laughs> had to know you. And there's just this, yeah, it's just this like, there's this element of like, I know you, you know me that makes it entertaining. Isn't it fun to see your pastor do this? Isn't it fun to see your people doing these things? And that's such, that's such good content. Like at Christmas time, I don't know why it's so hard for churches to go, you know what, let's share family recipes or, and show each other how to make it or do something like that. And you're like, well, why would we do that? That's not Christian content. Like it's community. It's building that relationship. It's that lighter part of the content we talked about on the spectrum versus, hi, I'm Seth. Would you like to tell me your deepest, darkest secret and pray together for an hour? (laughs) Right. You know, something we did um, as a congregation, we have a very special relationship with um, the Jewish community that's down the street from our church. And actually, our church is inside of an old synagogue. So, you know, they know us from having that aspect. And what we did during Thanksgiving time, we did a Friendsgiving with them and we created content for one another by um, sharing dances like we swapped dances. So they gave us one of their cultural dances. I can't pronounce the name of it, but it was awesome. (laughs) And we and we gave them uh, the Cupid Shuffle. So, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh, so each of us swapped, and we learned their dance and recorded it, and then they learned our dance and recorded it, and we showed each uh, group doing the dances. I cannot so tell fun. you how much I wish I was a part of that because oh, that is God. so fun. That's yeah. so fun. I would love that. Well, here's a story I never thought I'd tell. Back when I was a DJ for a brief moment in my life. Well, that's a sentence. Yeah. Um, the Cupid Shuffle was the song I played when I needed people to get on the dance floor and dance. Never fails. It never fails. Never, never. fails. Because it's the easiest dance in the world. To this day, it never fails. <laughs> so many embarrassing moments to that song. Oh, my gosh. Shame. Lots of shame. Okay, back to our conversation. So one thing that we've been talking about with this whole digital discipleship thing, something that I am thinking through is, you know, in order to disciple someone, you have to, they have to be willing to follow you. You can't disciple someone that's not willing to learn and follow you. And that's a very rare thing these days, especially online and with the church. But we know that just like the real world, which 
digital is still real. What we consume shapes our worldview, who we follow, who we surround ourselves with, what we listen to. It defines our perspective. It feeds that confirmation bias or, or, you know, the way that we look at the world. And so if people aren't interacting with the church or biblically founded content, then they're not being shaped by biblically founded views. What are some ways that the church in your experience can win back the trust that we've seemed to have lost a little bit over the, especially the last couple of years? How can we win back the trust that we need so that we can gain digital disciples? Like what would that look like? Because, you know, I hear churches all the time say, well, I'm posting stuff, but no one's liking it and no one's commenting on it. I think some of that is we need to gain trust back. And what does that look like online? Ooh, great question. I really believe it's a balance of showing our humanity along with our spirituality. A lot of times, you know, we'll say, well, you know, Jesus is the answer. You know, he's got all the answers. And then we fall down and then everybody's like, well, where was your answer? Mm -hmm. So we need to show more of, you know what? I'm human just like you. I might cuss sometimes. I might get mad and, and deal with unforgiveness, but I pray you know, I have a discipline of praying. I have a discipline of um, being accountable to others in my my walk. You know, people that are more experienced, people that are more mature than me. Um, I have the practice of worshiping that refocuses me back on uh, these principles that I need to be focused on, my focus on God. You know, I read my Bible every day. If we show more of the process that we do and the disciplines that we develop in our lives, That gives people a look at our journey. And then they're like, you know what? I can trust this because you're not presenting a picture perfect Christianity to me. Presenting a actual walkable journey that says, you know what? I'm messed up too and I need Christ. So this is why I can tell you that you need Christ because I'm in the same boat. (laughs) Mm. It's what happens when you invite someone into your home right? Versus you just talking from a stage. It's the, that's the relationship part. That's the, here's my dirty dishes in the sink. And here's me folding laundry while we talk about Jesus. And Hey, I'm going to change my kid's diaper while you tell me about what's happening in your marriage. You know, it's those things. That's the, that's the digital version of what happens in real life when you're in person. So what are, do you have some example? I'd love to hear some examples of that. Like you mentioned um, here, like here are my prayers, like prayers that you could pray and, and stuff like that. Do you have some other examples of like what that might look like? So I know for me personally, like, and I'm a jokester. Um, most people know that. So I will post certain things like hashtag real life prayers. And it's like, you know, God guard my mouth so that I don't slip up and tell this person where to go. Um, hashtag real life prayers. And, you know, people laugh, but then they chime in in the comments like, yeah, you know what? I needed to pray this prayer like five minutes ago, Jen. I wish you would have posted it. <laughs> where were you five minutes ago? Yeah, where now were you five minutes ago? Now I'm repenting. Right. You know, I had this meme that I absolutely loved. I don't know what I did with it, but it was Golden Girls and it was uh, Dorothy putting her hand over Sophia's mouth. And so Sophia was me and Dorothy was the Holy Spirit, you know? <laughs> so good. That's so good. 
that's a great example of how to use some of the the more fun content to really teach a spiritual lesson right. as well. That's relatable. Exactly. And real. Exactly. Now, I do believe in having what I call a front facing social media presence and then a more intimate inside social media presence. So that front facing is your pages, you know, public profiles. But the innermost is the Facebook groups, which often go underutilized. And so having that aspect of, okay, yeah, we're saying this up front. But for our congregation, for more intimate conversations, for more um, privacy so that you can share your prayer requests, we have the Facebook group and you can post those things. You can say, you know what, I need prayer for this, that and the other because we have, you know, different threads or, um, you know, somebody will go live and we'll have those conversations inside the group that you might not feel comfortable having on the Facebook page. So I think churches should balance out, like we said, there's different types of discipleship. We have that public discipleship with the pages, but also don't forget to have that inside discipleship online for the people that uh, are part of your congregation. I would also add to that, in addition to and like keeping it real and being authentic and giving some level of vulnerability, which is different than transparency. We have to be guard our hearts still and be wise with those things. Also showing interest in other people more than ourselves and sharing stuff about us. So how much are you considering your audience and thinking about your audience and talking about your audience and asking them questions and showing interest and engaging with them over just like, Hey, this is what my dog's doing today. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, what's interesting about that too, is when you do that as the church account, what that ends up doing, like most people, when they interact with the church account, they think it's the pastor. And even if they know it's not the pastor, they kind of attribute it to the pastor, unless it's just so obvious, like you've got a celebrity kind of social media person at your church, which I don't know who that would be or an example of that would be, but just in case, but they think it's the pastor. And so what happens is they, it starts to humanize your church. And when someone visits, they feel like they know the pastor and the pastor may not have a clue who they are, which, which is actually works in the favor of the pastor because the ministry then is a little bit easier. The trust is there a little bit more before the pastor has to really work to build that trust. So it's like the the church social media online presence helps build trust for the ministry that may happen later in a way. Uh, I, I think that's fascinating. That's what, that's what I've seen happen in, in that space. Have you seen stuff like that go on? I have, you know, one of the things that I try to coach pastors on is to share their personal aspects of life. You know, who's your favorite uh, football team? You know, my bishop, he's a big Eagles fan. So, uh, (laughs) you know, he'll take a picture at the Eagles game with his jersey on and, you know, he's talking trash with other pastors in the comments. And it just brings a humanity about our pastor, you know, to be able to see like, okay, he actually watches football and he likes it, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or he goes golfing and he shows that, um, th- those human sides always matter. Um, one of the things that <clears throat> I'm actually trying to experiment, experiment with myself is using influencers, finding out who's the influencers in our congregation and then inviting them to come and create with us. because. You have an influencer that's at your church. People follow them. They've got, you know, 10,000, 20,000 followers. 
Why not invite them to show how they're interacting with the church, how the church culture is affecting their life? And those people then say, oh, wow, well, you know, I may not be in their city, in their state, but they go live every Sunday. That's a really that's a really interesting idea. And businesses do that all the time, right? Like they pay people to talk about their product or whatever. How do churches do that in a way that isn't like super gross? (laughs) like like, hey you have a lot of followers will you talk about us yeah Yeah. you know what i mean like what does that look like i think that's when it gets i think that's when stuff like this gets really tricky right because like the end of the day we're not selling a product we're not trying to like get people to give us money like we want to introduce people to jesus how do i do that using some of the best practices that are out there like user-generated content and social media influencers in a way that isn't grubby. You know, it's, it's really important that the influencer goes to your church and they're engaged. Vigorous head nods. (laughs) Agree fully. Because if they are part of the ministry, they're engaged, they're coming every Sunday or, you know, as often as they can, they're able to tell their experience within the ministry. They're able to place themselves within the culture of the ministry. And so when you're working with them, like I have a, a guy that is an influencer. Um, he works with ESPN and things like that. So he has a really big account. And I'm like, all right, listen, when you're here, take content, show you know yourself engaging with different people in the church, You know, show the, the sermon, talk about the sermon, get on. Facebook live or Instagram live or create a reel and just be like, yo, this sermon was dope. Take a peek at this clip. I'll send you a clip, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, and then just put the clip in the reel and then direct people to the YouTube to see the replay or Facebook, whatever. And so there's ways to do it to where, like you said, you're not sounding like that slimy guy (laughs) salesperson, like, Hey, come sell for me, but you're engaging people to come and join this person's real life experience. And in that they're gaining their uh, spiritual inspiration. And they're like, you know what? I think I like this church because I see my favorite person on social media engaging. And if it's working for them, it might work for me. That also builds trust too. When someone you trust, trust them. That's the trust waterfall. One other thing I've also seen churches do is create spaces for content capturing like pictures like a picture wall or something man those people will flock to a good picture wall <laughs> yeah. people will flock i will i do i see a good picture wall and i'm like i gotta take my there's there's some wings on that wall i gotta go stand in front of it and pretend like those are my wings like i have to do that <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like, i well, can't not you know and in black church we tend to dress up for sunday service and so i know i like to post my outfit of the day Yes. And, you know, with my heels and my cute outfit and things like that. So I I take my pictures. And in fact, my bishop and I took a picture. I think that's the last picture I posted on my Instagram for Christmas break. And it was like, everybody's like, oh, my God, your outfit's so cute. I'm like, thank you. That's the whole reason for the post. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hashtag Sunday style. But that's another way to show off on a Sunday and say, Hey, yeah, I'm at church and I'm looking cute while I do it. You know? Yeah. I just want to say that the, you know, trust waterfall is my favorite thing you've said so far, Megan, (laughs) Uh, 
phrases that you've created. The trust waterfall is a lesser known cousin of the trust fall. <gasps> I didn't even realize I did that. <laughs> I mean, of course I did that. That's brilliant. And I'm glad yeah, you caught on to of it. Of course. Yeah, I totally I'm with you. Uh, I get where your head's at. You bring up a good point though, Jen, like you create, even an influencer creating content, blogs, posts, whatever they're making for you, or you're doing it as a church, somebody later is going to see that they're not actually there, right? They're going to see it later. We may not know who they are or anything about them. So how can we measure or interact in some kind of discipleship way with people like that? They just find our content and we're not there. We have no idea. They just saw it. You know, sometimes the metrics aren't great. How do we connect with that person and really start some kind of discipleship with them? One of the ways to do that is to add a call to action to your video or your post, whatever you're putting out. That call to action invites them to respond to you, whether you say, you know, if you need prayer, send me a DM, or, you know, if you like this post, uh, say amen in the comments. Those are good ways to get people to engage. Now, there are people that they will just consume your content and they will be as anonymous as they can be. Unfortunately, we can't measure those, but what we can do is keep creating content to keep them coming back and then hope that they feel comfortable enough one day to actually put in a comment, send a DM so that we can interact with them. You think it's worth it for that? If that's all you got, like people just consume it, never comment, never like, but they're watching like your views are up, but you don't know who they are. You think it's worth it to keep doing that? I do. Because at the end of the day, you know, when we stand before God, he's not going to judge us by how many comments we got or how many likes we got. But there may be several souls that made it in that said, you know what, it was your content that led me to Jesus. So with that hope and with that trust in God that this content is transforming lives, it's always worth it. Yeah. And, and by leading you to Jesus, it might just be like a few small steps in the right direction of that pathway. You know, I feel like we often think that every single post has got to have an incomplete gospel presentation in it, or it's not Christian enough for our church to post without realizing that this is a process, this is a step. You know, I feel like if you can nudge somebody a little bit, that's a win. One thing that is, a you know, a, a pretty, I would say, pretty normal thing to have in church is a discipleship pathway, right? Like you've got somebody walks in the door, their first time visitor, you get their contact information, you invite them to a membership class or, you know, a next steps class. They become a member of your church. They join a small group. They join a team, you know, yada, yada, yada. What does that look like when someone's online? When it's a digital, a digital member, let's just call them a member or a follower. What could that journey look like from a digital perspective? So what we have set up at Mount Hermon is um, I actually have our bishop make a call for discipleship in the broadcast. So once the sermon has been preached and the altar call has been made, people are getting saved and whatnot. We do this call for discipleship and little prompts go up on the screen. We use text in church. Shout out to our buddy, Tyler Smith, uh, for such an awesome system. And so I have the keywords in there and you type that in, you get a text from us with a link to our webpage and it walks you through the steps. You know, if you are just getting saved, 
um, let us know and we have somebody reach out to you. So are you telling me that it's possible for someone to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior online? Absolutely. PBN's been doing it for years. (laughs) 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 Yes, yes. And and I took my cue from them. What part does content creation play in that process? Well, you know, as far as so... What we do is more so in the live setting and just having people engage with us on that part. But when it comes to content creation, it's that call to action, you know, letting people know, hey, if this content resonates with you, especially if we're talking about our walk with God, we're giving like a testimony or something like that. We invite people to respond through email or or send a text and say, hey, you know what? I desire to be saved. And then we're actually allowing our audience to engage with our elders and our ministers. And um, they're able to get feedback from them and, and connect with someone that's actually a real person. So we don't leave it just totally digital. My whole thing when I created this workflow, rather, is to connect personally. Because at the end of the day, you can start out digital, but it has to end personal. Okay. That's what I want to get to, too. Part of the one of the questions we're wrestling with through this whole season of the podcast is a digital disciple, if they stay digital only, is that possible? Is that healthy? Is that something we want? Um, because you might have people that watch your church in PA that are in Texas that, you know, they'll never be able to show up. And so where do they go? Where does, does it have a that discipleship pathway? You know, at some point, if it has to be in person, then they have to be able to go to a church somewhere or, or connect with a f- community. What do you do for them? So that is an awesome question. Um, we actually have that scenario. So here is the gag to the entire thing with me working with Mount Herman. I am in Ohio. <gasps> I Shock and awe. What? Shock and awe. I didn't know that. I, yeah, I'm. I've been remote this whole time, six hours away. Wow. And how the tide tables have turned. What a, pl- what a plot da, da. twist. Shocking, <laughs> shock and awe. Major plot twist. Yeah. So I travel in like once every quarter and work with my team, but I'm very much involved through text, FaceTime and all that stuff like that. So there's me. I'm a member. I'm six hours away. We also have several other members that are in North Carolina and um, other states. So my whole entire goal has been to experience what they experience and then create an experience that I would want them to have that makes it personal for them, even though they're stuck in the digital space. Yeah, you put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. I walk it like I talk it. So (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah. So our whole workflow involves, you know, phone calls. Um, We have our Facebook group where you're able to interact. We also have, you know, the Facebook lives and things like that. We FaceTime with people and just kind of check in and see how they are on a monthly basis. And we make sure that they are engaged and they know faces and things like that. So when they do come visit, they're saying like, hey, I see this person and I remember her from our last conversation, you know, and they feel that kindredness when they walk into the church. Yeah. People ask me, too, about like church comp team. How do we manage communications when we're not 
around and it's like, we do it, you know, we make it work. We manage for churches all over the country. Uh, it's doable, but you know, we do have to rely on a team there on the ground. I mean, there is that element and, you know, there are people that need, you know, we connect with to get information or what, you know, we can't print something from here unless you want to pay shipping. <laughs> so, you know, there's just things that happen, but let's talk about your pastors the people on the ground, people in ministry, big part of content creation is leveraging the gifts of your pastoral staff towards discipleship online. And let's be honest, most pastors did not get into ministry so they could become an Instagram influencer. They don't really have much interest in it for a lot of them. So it's time consuming. It's new stuff. How much time should they really put into creating content for something other than the service? Because a lot of time goes into the service. A lot of time goes in that Bible study they're going to lead on Wednesday. But not a lot of time tends to go into, I need to make social media posts or blog posts or videos for YouTube or that kind of thing. How much should they put into that? And how can they do that? And like, what advice do you have for them getting started? So there's two ways to kind of do this. Like you were saying about having a team on the ground, that's definitely, that's been my go-to. The two guys that I have and a couple girls that I have at Mount Hermon physically, um, they are my hands and my feet. So I sit in the mastermind seat of it all. And one of the things that I employed was one of my guys is a talented photographer, Chris. He's amazing. So we have him taking photos of Bishop while he's preaching and things like that. And so we kind of make it easy. Like, okay, obviously Bishop can't take a, I mean, he could take a selfie at some point during the sermon, but he's not really thinking about that. So we think about it for him. Might be a little disruptive sometimes. <laughs> you know, like, hey, and then Jesus the Lord, said, you know, stop and take a selfie. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorry, the you guys. Him, that's the him preaching on the hill meme right there. That's, <laughs> right. That's Exactly. So we think about it for him and we pick out, you know, parts of the sermon that we can create clips from and uh, memes from and quotes and all that stuff. So we we generate that for his sake. So then that way he can just focus on doing ministry. So that's one aspect is to employ the people around you to capture you and kind of document you so that we just send you a folder full of stuff and you post it to your social media. Or if you're like, uh, Bishop Long, you just give us your password, and I, I don't think Bishop Long ever touched Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got, think about he's it. got thousands of followers. He's it's got really, like thousands really of interactive, <laughs> right? But what we did, we took his words, his content, and we put it up. And the funny thing about it was, we ghost, we did like ghost writing as him. So that's how I got my chops in ghost writing because I was like, yeah, you know. This is how Bishop Long talks. And I really studied how he talks. So when I wrote the captions, people would be like, oh, yeah, Bishop Long, that's so great. And I'm sitting there like, they don't even know he didn't touch this at all. But (laughs) this is neat. So that's one way of doing it, having those people to do it for you. And you don't need a large team. You just need probably a dedicated one or two people who are willing to capture that content and put it up for you. The other way to do it, if you're a pastor and you want to, kind of getting on the day-to-day stuff. If you have kids, utilize your kids. Like if you have teenagers that are on social media, utilize them, say, hey, you know what? Okay, document me 
studying <laughs> real quick, you know, take a picture of me studying and post it up. Also too, you can kind of do like a midday Bible study where you're sharing your insights on a daily basis. And I know that gets kind of tiresome. So I usually tell pastors, don't go for the everyday thing unless you really want to, or get more people to join in. So Monday, it's you Tuesday, it's somebody else and everybody's getting acclimated to the team and you're rotating. That takes a lot of the pressure off of you as well. Who is it? Craig Groeschel that always posts, is it, is it Craig that always posts his um, message notes? Yes. Maybe. I love I, Yeah. I love that. And that's such a, like, you know, talking about repurposing content, you're sharing something you've already done. You're just sharing it. And, and pastors in my experience, always feel like no one will want to see this process. Nothing I do is very interesting. My message prep is a boring photo. You know, they have this kind of like negative view of what their, I'd say this, what their life is like, but it was what the things that they do to prep for that Sunday. There's a lot of things there that people would be very interested to see that is old hat to a pastor. He's done it so many times. She's done it so many times. It's just like, that's fascinating though. I, I can't tell you like how many times I was a youth pastor and somebody would, one of my kids would walk up and go, so what's your job? And I was like this. And like, no, no. What do you do in the daytime? Like when you're not here, I'm like this, like they don't realize this is, this is where I come here every day to the church to work. And they're like, well, what do you do? Like, what is there to do? You pray all day? You know, what is it? What's your job? And like, people are very curious about what does the life of a pastor look like? And seeing that it's very human, seeing that there's spiritual elements to it. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's like getting an Instagram that you see inside like a, a monastery, you know, like what goes on in a monastery? Who knows? Man, there's just so much that goes back to what you said in the beginning, Jennifer, with building trust and being being authentic and showing real life stuff. That's real life. And when I see you prepping for sermons over the course of three days or two days or whatever that looks like for you, or maybe you're sitting out, you know, outside somewhere and pondering this this scripture for this weekend, I'm gonna come to service that weekend more prepared to receive what you have to say to me because I know you've sat with Jesus in it because I saw it. You know what I mean? Like, that's just so cool. What a cool opportunity to bring people into your process and your walk with the Lord and what it looks like to, to disciple the masses. Like, I just, I think that's such an opportunity. Um, and we can do that online. You don't have to just do that with the person that gets to come to your house. You can do that with hundreds of thousands of people at a time. You just said it. You've invited people into your walk with the Lord. And I don't know a better definition of discipleship. You know, to me, that's, that's fascinating that you can even do that online and that pastors can do that online by just showing what's going on. You're actually inviting people into your walk to see what it's like to follow Jesus and learn from you on how to do that as an apprentice would. Yeah. I was thinking exactly that. It's like mentorship, you know. I can learn stuff from a book all day. I can go to uh, Google and, and search things all day, but it's totally different when I'm learning from somebody who's walked this path, who's been in my shoes before me and who has had success in what I'm trying to gain success in. So, um, you know, one of the things I love 
to see online is when pastors are doing kind of everyday stuff and they might come across like a photo or um, a piece of mail or something and God just speaks to them and they share that. They share the lesson in that. That's a beautiful moment. That's it. That's One it. thing that has been really cool to see, you just you just reminded me of this, but just personally, something that the Lord has been teaching our family a lot, like a big discipline we've been really growing in and focusing on is the, is the spiritual discipline of Sabbath and rest and what that looks like. And so for probably, and I haven't done it for a long time, but for at least the first year or so, every time our family Sabbath, I just kind of documented and shared what that looked like for us. Because for me, it's really helpful if there's like this abstract concept and there's all these barriers to accomplishing that like reading scripture. What does reading scripture look like for you? Do you read it from Genesis all the way to Revelation? Do you just only read the New Testament? Do you read Psalms every day? Like, tell me what that looks like. Show me that. And so I just documented it. And I can't tell you the conversations I've had, real life conversations with people saying, how much you talk about Sabbath and what you guys did, I was able to adapt X, Y, Z, or that was really interesting to me. And that was really helpful to me to build a picture of what our family could do? Like, how do you make a whole day, 12 hours where you don't do anything but play? <laughs> like, how do you make time for that? Like mm, Skyrim, that's how. Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> Skyrim, I go. I can do 12 solid hours of Skyrim. I mean, how do you get all the other stuff done the rest of the week so that oh. you can play Skyrim for oh. 12 hours? Oh. That's yeah. And also, I would argue that consuming something is not Sabbath and rest, sir. Oh, I'm very involved in Skyrim. I'm very involved. It's not okay. consuming. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's another That's another podcast. Whole we should other have podcast. it. We should have it. I want it. Well, anyway. This has been a great conversation. I think it's been really helpful to understand how content and creating content and discipleship can go hand in hand in the digital space in face-to-face and digital space, as we say. So Jen, thank you so much for your insights and your experience and being on the show. You're welcome. This has been just absolutely fun. You guys are just amazing. And um, it was good to sit with great minds and talk about this interesting topic. I hope that everybody that listens gets insight and inspiration from what we talked about and uh, chime in, you know, let us know what you've created And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some things happen with all these different ministries and the ideas that we shared. Absolutely. If you want to connect with Jen, uh, you can find her on TikTok, Instagram at Jen Janelle, J-E-N-J-A-N-E-L-L, or on Facebook, I am Jen Janelle. Our YouTube, you can look up Genetic Marketing, that's with a J. J-E-N-E-T-I-C. But also she's a podcast host and you need to check that podcast out, the Blacklight Digital Podcast. Uh, We'll put links to that in the show notes. So thank you guys for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast and we will be back soon with more church communications, marketing, content creation, et cetera, et cetera, to help you succeed in the digital space in the church world. So thank you guys for listening and we'll be back soon. See ya.